If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> Who in the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? We get done. We're like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it. So I just go up to him and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going. Unoffendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason it's for that is the Flatbed is like not happening. <laughs> so. We are, as always, brought to you by Classic Ropes and Equinity Products. If you enjoy the Flatbed Podcast, here's what I would ask: please go rate and review. It's actually a tremendous help in doing what we do. It is a new day at the Flatbed Podcast. Let me tell you what I'm doing tell you how it affects you we're going into basically our second season we're not calling it a season because i don't even know why you would do that i mean we're into our second year that's all that means we're adding a subscription option what that means is not you have to pay to listen to every episode but what we're doing is we're recording bonus content for every episode with every guest we're asking stupid questions we're going completely off script we're just going according to what we think would be funny um it's just bonus content and what i what i found is you get a little a little better look into the person that's on the on the podcast instead of being stiff or formal um we start off with bonus content we ask stupid questions you get the like the live reaction we've said it's like an ink blot test right you just say whatever comes to mind first i personally have enjoyed it i've i've loved the bonus content because like i said you get to see a different side of whoever's in uh the studio uh for the month it's five bucks for the month for the entire month which comes out to about like a dollar a little like a dollar 25 per episode so less than a dr pepper you get to listen to all the bonus content you can click on it and add now here's what this does by helping fund a little bit of what we're doing it allows some travel to places that we would like to go um i was watching youtube last night about the bullfights and i was like man how cool would it be if we could go to spain someday and talk to the people that run the bullfighting rings right like go talk to the people that own the horses that are part of that like and i'm only using that as an example we're not trying to fund a trip to spain but uh you know i would i would love the option to financially be able to go to the places where things are happening that are interesting outside of maybe just only team roping in arizona i know we made a trip to texas so um we're adding the subscription site but the truth is honestly even if it was doing nothing but funding my rock star recovery bill every month um, it, the, the, the content has been fun. It's been a blast. So like I said, a dollar 25 an episode is what you're, what you're investing. It is super easy. Um, and we haven't had, we haven't had one bonus segment yet that hasn't made everybody laugh. It's been fun. We've enjoyed it. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to release three free bonus episodes this week, give you an idea. Um, we're going to release three of them this week. You can take a look at them, see what you think. But then also after that, it'll be one per episode. We haven't recorded any podcasts without also including bonus episodes. So, um, I would encourage you to check it out. It's fun. Um, I, I really do enjoy it. It's something I've actually, it's been a, it's been an addition to the podcast that I've enjoyed. So check it out. The flatbed podcast is brought to you by, um, we say companies, we say sponsors, but reality it's brought to you by other people in the same way that you're sitting here listening to this podcast. There are other people who are investing into this process financially that are bringing this to you so that you can listen to it for free. I love that there are people running companies that have the same shared values that we have in this industry. So when we talk to you about the people that are bringing you this podcast, please understand we're talking about a company, but really what we're talking about is the people. So part of what I do um, with the podcast is I answer a lot of social media questions or text messages from people asking questions about the products that we stand behind or that stand behind us. Um, I don't know what I can say about Equinity that hasn't already been said. Um, but one of the questions I get is like, okay, all right, but like for real, but actually, you know, what, what, what's it actually do? And here's, here's my answer. It is the thing that you pour into your overall program with what you're feeding, the exercise, the worming, the things that you're already doing. 
And Equinity is the thing that goes in and fills the cracks using a natural program that the horse is already equipped with. The pituitary gland is sort of like the gauge system or the gauge program within the horse's body that tells it when it needs what it needs. And this goes in and benefits that. Better, better joint health, uh, amino acid in the muscles, things like that. You get a calmer horse that's more willing to go to work. Um, you can check them out at teamequinity.com, teamequinity.com. And like I said, we spend all this time and all this effort on our horse. And Equinity is the thing at an affordable price point, by the way, that you can put through your horse's system that fills in all the cracks and you end up with a better, well-rounded animal to go do what you need to do. So check them out, teamequinity.com. We have got Nelson Wyatt. This is our second podcast we've ever done in the living quarters. Mike White being the first. Not a bad spot. Not bad you got to follow here. him. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, this is like nice spot. This is home away from home all year. It's home pretty much really home for me all year, really. Yeah. So in no way do I mean this insulting. I mean this just as I think it's interesting. But for years, it feels like you've been the most talented guy to fly under the radar. And then all of a sudden, 2023 happens, and that all changes. You're sitting second in the all-around. You're the highest-ranking timed event guy in the world this year. And all of a sudden, it's like the, the Nelson, the, the guys in the industry have all known. I don't know about if it feels this way to you, but I, like for me and for people I've talked to, people are like, finally. Like, we've known that's who that guy is. What do you, what do you say has been the biggest difference this year? Um... You know, I, I had a lot of big wins this year. Um, you know, last two years were pretty hard. Um, last year, especially, I would say I had to, I came home with a spicer grip, was out of money, couldn't make the finals, and was, I never dreamed of rodeoing and having to come home. And uh, it was a big, uh, you know, world flipper for me, I would say. And then I was like, you know, it's either where you get better or quit. So I just and that was last year. That was last fall. Yeah, I was I was really thinking about quitting. And what would you? I just out of curiosity, you sitting here today, if I could walk Nelson from August in last year, and you guys were to sit down and have a conversation, what have you learned that you would tell him of like, hey, head up, it gets better. Here's here's what what, what would you say? You know, it's funny. I was listening to a uh, a sermon yesterday, actually, on the way up here. And the guy said, where God guides, God provides. And, I mean, that's that's true. Like, last, like I said, from last fall, thinking about quitting. And then, honestly, started the year just with no expectations. Like, obviously, I want to make the finals. But... It's been so much pressure on myself, knowing I wasn't where I wanted to be. And then this year I was just, you know, hey, just turn every steer for what you can be. If he makes you be seven, go be seven. If you can be three, go be three. But don't don't overdo it. Just catch the cow and do your job. There's a – so I haven't, haven't <clears throat> spent time in the ministry. Here's one of the things I learned about the Bible that I love the most it's not a religious book, right? It's mm -hmm. a book about humanity and, and how we interface with God and how life works. And I, I, I love, I love the things in the Bible that I don't necessarily hear taught in church. One of the main things being is that death and resurrection, we think of that as being like something that happened on the cross and we all get that. If you've been to church, you know that story, mm -hmm. right? But if death and resurrection isn't just a religious story, it's also a story about humanity. 
what you're describing, and I'm not to put words in your mouth, but what you're saying is, is like once there was a death of last August, like you accept the death. And, and I don't mean like it got sick and then it got a little bit better, like fully looking it in the face and accepting like I might be done, I might not be, and just letting that happen. The resurrection being like, like I said, it's such a Jesus word, but in reality, it's like everything that comes behind that death is brand new. It's a bonus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what you're describing, I hope people would hear that is like, that's the benefit of letting something die and facing it. And what you come back with is to me, to me, that makes so much sense of like your whole mentality changes because you already faced it. Mm-hmm. You already saw it die. And now anything now is a bonus on the back end. And from, from a, from a mental perspective, the pressure's kind of off. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? You already, you already kind of faced it. What's the worst that could happen now? Yeah. Well, that's what, like I said, starting the year, I was just, you know, this is, this was pretty much going to be it for me. I, th- I think if I was going to figure it out or I, I don't know what else I would do, honestly. But Did you go down that road very far of like what you would do if this year was just a bust? No. I, I mean, I think that's why, not saying I don't have any other options, but I don't really. It's not something you're just craving. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what else I would do. Right. So. I just started the year like that, and then, you know, it, it's just, like I said, it was just seemed like one of those years that God just put together and was like, here, this is, don't quit. Yeah. You grew up where? Clanton, Alabama. I wonder sometimes if it's a disadvantage to grow up outside the bubble of Stephenville in this regard is that you never really have to face a season of losing if you're just a super talented guy, right? Like you're growing up being a giant fish, turns out a fish that can go compete in a giant pond also, which means in Alabama, you were the man. And, well, not necessarily. Like I, I don't see myself as, like I don't see myself as being a just uh like I had to work. I wasn't just overly talented to start with. I don't think. I think I had to put in a, whole, a lot of work. You think you learned how to lose first? Yes, yes. That's hard to imagine. I believe you. I mean, I'm listening to. You. I believe you, but it's hard to imagine now, with how talented you are, the rope, and how much winning you've done this year. Because it's not just team roping. Like people that don't know, it's not like you rope calves like a team roper. Like you rope calves like a calf. I roper. grew up roping calves too, yeah. And so, did, what did you win your rookie year in the calf rope? Were you? No, I mean I won enough just to get my. Uh, like I started the year out in the Southeast Circuit Rodeo and and uh, won enough for almost made this. Maybe I almost made the circuit finals that year, and then we left and started rodeoing. But it was just enough to like over the mark where you can be an all-around gotcha and so you you were the all-around rookie of the year your mm, rookie year yes and what year was that 17 okay so that's not yesterday no 2017 was a bit ago yeah you went all-around rookie like in your mind is it like i'm off to the races um n- well i not necessarily for the all around, but for the heading, yes, I thought, you know, I got a chance to, well, me and I rode with Trace Porter. I started the year out that year with Brad Culpepper, Circuit Rodeo on, and Trace Porter called me and asked me if I wanted to enter Reno and go over the summer. And I was like, I'd love to. I've got 25, I think it was, I left home with $2,500. I said, I don't. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You I got $2,500 and you're like, yeah, I want to go rodeo all year. 
I know it's 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 really funny to think back and think I actually left home with that amount of money. But it's true. I left home with like twenty five hundred dollars. He had um, somebody give us, um, or he had a little fuel paid for or something. Um, and I told him, I'm like, man, I, I don't have any money. I don't want to go in debt. I was like, uh, we'll go and see how this goes. We'll go for this first week on my $2,500 and see how far yeah, it gets us. Yeah, and luckily we won enough to stay going along. And I don't know, maybe maybe 10000 over the fourth that year. And then that year at Salt Lake, the whoever was winning the rookie got to get in to Salt Lake to rope for 50000 that year. And I wrote with Matt Kasner, and we won third. And I think, total there, I think I won like 18000 Was that the most money you ever had in your pocket at one time? Probably. Yeah, probably. And then I think after Salt Lake, I might have been 16th or 17th for a week or two. Which is late enough in the summer that, like, that's a real shot. Yeah, I mean, I people ask me before I left home, if are you going to Cheyenne? I'm like, if I enter Cheyenne... I've done some winning. Yeah, dude, I got $2,500. Yeah, I mean. Cheyenne, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to buy my fuel home. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm going out here on a whim. And, like, now that I know what it's like, $2,500 don't go very far. That's nothing. At, no, that That's doesn't That's lunch go, money. That doesn't go anywhere. That the good thing even, you didn't know. Honestly, it's a good thing you didn't know that. Well, my There's mom, no way done my mom paid my fees over the 4th. On her, she had a credit card. I put them on her credit card. I'm like, hey, I've got money coming, but... You know, it's going to cost me $100 a rodeo extra if I don't pay them. So she, I can't remember, it was dang near 2500 <laughs> And I uh, paid those, and then I paid her back when I got my money. And then she might have had to do that one more time. And then uh, when I got home, I paid her that 2500 back. But I got- is that any, Has anything in your life ever been a bigger relief than being able to give your mom that money back after she puts it on the line? That had to just been like... Yeah, I mean, real off your shoulders. Yeah, I mean, I, it was, I knew I had it, so I wasn't that worried. I knew it was coming because yeah. I'd already won. I would, I probably wouldn't have done it if if I wouldn't have already. Yeah, knew I had right. some money coming. Right. So I want to go back. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but like the dark years of Nelson White, like back before anybody knew who you were, growing up in Alabama. Is it? Is it? How do people dream? How do people dream in Alabama? Is it? world championship nfr how do people dream more local i mean in your mind growing up was it a was even a realistic thought that like this is what i'm going to do with my life um it was a dream for sure back then um i remember watching american for the first time thinking man one day i would like to be there and you know which the american's a big rodeo but i was thinking as like one of the qualifiers you know maybe right. i could qualify right. that somehow um, and which I didn't start, I healed my whole life. I didn't start heading until I was like 22, maybe. What? Or 20, yeah. I healed and then started. From, from a rodeo family? Well, my dad team roped. Um, he, he, de- he started me healing when I was five. Well, I think, you, you tell me, but I almost think that's an advantage having a dad who's done a little bit of it because a young guy that wants to make money team roping, really, really, your best money is going to be healing yeah. because – a low number guy that can catch healing is going to make money. A low numbered header that can catch still needs a low numbered healer who can catch. I mean, it's yeah. it's a harder road for a lower number guy coming up heading. Yeah, I tell everybody if they start, they need to be able to do both, but you for sure need to be able to heal yeah. starting out. And so, just had enough success that just never swapped early on. 
you know, I, there was, I, I always roped the dummy in high school, heading like, I would just. That's just healers, though. Yeah. I don't know a healer that can't get racks on a dummy. Like, it's annoying as a header to watch healers rope a dummy. Yeah, and I, I got pretty good. And, um, obviously. I did, well, I dated, I dated this girl one time and her dad healed, and he didn't have a partner. And I was roping the dummy one night at their house, and, uh, he was watching me and he was like, why don't, why don't you head? Is that extra pressure when it's her dad? No, I mean, I was just... I'm <laughs> no, like, sir. You know, I've got heel horses. I've healed my whole life. It's just it's just what I do. Right. And he said, well, I think you're going to start heading. I'm like, okay. Right. And uh, So the, the transition, I think, typically is when somebody goes from healing to heading is the scoring. He- horses in the scoring, right? Absolutely, yes. How long... I mean, what was the process there? It was... Uh, I amateur rodeoed a little bit and jackpotted. Um, was I had a, a buckskin that you could head in heel on, could run a hundred or him. He scored every time, but he loped. I mean, was not very fast. In the southeast, though, is that not that much of a disadvantage because the the starts are shorter? Am I wrong? Not a terrible disadvantage, but I'm telling you, this horse was slow <laughs> <laughs> like, to a degree, but not that degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was slow, and I messed around, and um, I, I bought a. He didn't have any papers, but he was probably 23 or four. And from who? Crippled, from a buddy of mine, Shane Everby. I give $3,000 for him. Hold on. Hold on. You're like, you know what, sir? I think you're right. I think I need to start healing or heading. Do you have to? Th- I got $3,000. I'm going to see how this goes. Well, I sold another horse to buy this horse. And and this horse can was. We, can we just clarify if somebody's listening? Like, if you've got $3,000, the chances of finding a head horse are literally almost zero. You're not going to find the horse I found for 3000 that, 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 that does not happen. No. And this horse, when I, I mean, he was he was uh, he was the perfect horse for me. He, he is the one that changed everything for me. I think. But if you okay, all right. So I hate having to admit when I'm stupid, but I'm stupid. I had no idea. Listen to this. I had no idea what a pole barn was. I thought I did, and maybe you think you do. You know, I thought of it as this big shed with wood structure, and and you know maybe the tin goes halfway down or. You know, just just sort of a, something you'd see a tractor or a four-wheeler park below under with a stack of hay. But I grew up in Texas, and so you don't build anything out of wood. Everything's pipe. So um, when I met Dan Scarborough, and he said he was building pole buildings, instantly, instantly, this is the stupid part. I'm like, oh, a guy who throws up some little sheds. Go to, do me a favor, you go see how stupid I am. Go to roperbuildings.com and check out the gallery of what a pole barn actually is. This can be anything from a barn dominium. It can be a shed, but it can be a horse barn. It can be anything that you want to protect from the elements and no wood exposed to the sun. So, you know, my question was, what about here in Arizona? There were so many questions I had no clue. I had no clue what they were capable of. And Roper Buildings is not, no, I hope this is okay to say, Dan. It's not some mom and pop thing. Like this is one of the most premier building companies in the Western um, United States and has been for over two decades. You can check them out. Not only are they in central and southern Utah, they're in northern Utah, Idaho, Nevada, and now coming to Arizona. Uh, Dustin Searcy, who you met on the podcast, is going to be helping run things down here under under Dan. Wait until you see what's possible. They are engineered. They can be customized any way that you want it. You can build it the way that you want it. And you're dealing with people who have had decades of success in getting this right. So roperbuildings.com, check them out. And while you're there, check on the gallery and look at all that they're able to do. You guys, 
times are changing. We have got technology available to you. When you get to Arizona, you can find your roping. You can find the date. You can find the location. You can even search the website by what jackpot number team roping you're looking for. Ropingcalendar.com. It is a subscription base. You go, well, so is the magazine, dude. Like you can buy a magazine or you can buy the website. So it's not like there's a free option anymore. Ropingcalendar.com. The difference being you can look for only what you want to find instead of looking through all the other ads that you didn't want to find. So if you think about it, if your time's worth anything, we're paying you back. So check it out. Ropingcalendar.com. Everything for me, I think. But if you, okay. All right. So if somebody doesn't have the money to go buy head horses for what they cost, the second thing you said that's important is that he was old. Yes. You know, there's a value in old crippled horses. Everybody wants one young and sound, but man, they win so much money every year on old and crippled, especially if you're trying to learn something. Yeah, I mean, a horse just like that horse, he scored for me. I mean, he scored, it's like he knew the barrier, and he was just fast enough. He had some blast, and it was flat. He, was, he wasn't he was downhill speed fast. Like, I wasn't going to run him very far, but could get the there, zero to there one. at the radios over there, all you need is something that'll get some blasts out of the box where you can head them and then turn them off. He he didn't face very good because he was so so crippled. But like when I say crippled, I don't want people to think I was riding around three legged. Like no, no, like but that. not not like a five year old. But yeah, but he was just arthritis. You know, he was he was just old. And uh, but he was such a good horse. He lasted me one year. I started riding him one year, and uh, when I when I started when I got him, I started roping with at the time. I think two of the best healers that were down there um, in the southeast. Who's that? Ashley Swedenberg and Derek Freeman. Interesting. And, that's cool because you don't, those are not names you necessarily hear every day. So that's a pretty big compliment coming from a guy that's now out on the road. Yeah, I mean they were they were really good, great guys, healed good, and uh, I probably headed just a little bit like i didn't buy any amateur cards to go ahead i didn't really have i couldn't really do it on the buckskin i just right. did it around and then when i got the yellow i bought the amateur cards around there and uh i won the amateur finals that year really yep. so it was i mean right off yeah did it feel okay because obviously even as a healer you had some right everybody had or heels or whatever but did it feel like roping the dummy when you started heading on the yellow horse, like all of a sudden everything you'd been doing on the dummy was able to transition to Honestly, live yeah. series? Yeah, the yellow from, from Rodeo 1. I, I, the first rodeo I took him at, I don't never forget, it was the biggest amateur they had down there. I mean, like, I don't know, 80 or 90 teams, had a lot of money added. And uh, I was in the perf with, it was the first, first time I got to rip with Derek. And I was like, man, I got... But, you know, I've known Derek Freeman, watched him, and I was like, go there, look at my steers, the same steers we've been roping for two years, all right. Mexicans. And another buddy of mine was like, you got that one? I was like, yeah. He's like, you know, he runs. I'm like, yeah, and off to the left and low-headed. I'm like, great. great. Yeah, great. We're like four team out, won the rodeo. And you just got it on him before you saw it coming? Uh, I got a pretty good start, and it just kind of worked out, you know. Do you think Do you think being a reacher, do you think of yourself as a reacher? Probably, uh, I, I would say. I just don't want to assign you a title that you don't agree with. But being a reacher, do you feel like you get better goes at cattle because you're you're getting it on them 
a swing faster than what those, especially older cattle, are used to getting roped. Do you ever feel like you get better runs from your cattle than other guys? Um, sometimes, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to get more into uh, riding my horse here lately. But sure. then I was for sure 100%. All rope. All rope. That was it. So when in that rodeo, all of a sudden, is that where the switch happens of like, wait a minute? Yeah, I was like, at that point, I was like, hey, maybe I can, maybe I can do this heading. Right. And so that was, what What year was that? That was in 2014. How old were you your rookie year? 24. I bought my card after I graduated college. Okay. And so, I mean, that's that's relatively an older rookie, rookie year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 24. By then, I mean, there's a lot of guys that try it. They're 18. They're like, all right, I'm gone. Yeah. Was there what? What was the reason for waiting as long as you did? I mean, at 18, I was still healing, um, and like I said, 20. Um, I can't remember. I guess at 14. I guess I was probably 20. Yeah, 20 when I started heading. I'd say, um, but I could circuit rodeo on my permit. Right. So I, Just there was wasn't no, no need. I'd made the circuit finals. Uh, I think I made them the year before, uh, and then. Just like I said, no need. I wasn't. I wasn't going to venture off in rodeo at that time. Well, and I think, I think it's an advantage to have the resources. I don't. Anybody that says money is a disadvantage in rodeoing, that's not true. It is, but all the money in the world can't buy success either. So no. it's not the beat all end all. I think there are times it's an advantage for a guy to have to take it like a business because you're not going to do something stupid that you can't afford to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times I think people are going to look back in their life and be like, man, thank God I couldn't afford to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Yellow horse lasts for a year, and in your mind, like, that's it, you're a header. He lasts for a year, then what? Because, if you, I mean, if you don't just have bottomless checkbook, where does the guy even start on trying to find another one? So I bought the other, another sorrel, like, I mean, it might have been a month before – I was practicing on him. I was freeing him up to go to the – it was the same weekend rodeos that I had started on him the year before, actually. And um, he stepped on his shoe, boat attending. That he was, was it. Done. Yeah, he was done. So I started – I had the sorrow that I rodeoed on in 2017, which was exact opposite style of the yellow. Like, didn't score as good. Had to trick score him a little bit. Had more downhill speed. But, which, which out on the road sometimes the the actual fast speed, you gotta have it. Yeah, I mean you can't, you almost can't really. I mean a guy can't really hit the road and stay gone on a horse that scores good and is quick. There's a place for that. Yeah, you know like you think of horses like Heisman that uh, Coleman Proctor's. Coleman's riding. Yeah, that horse is amazing. But at the same time, in his defense, he you don't see that horse a lot of places either. Yeah, so he's, he's got his fit. There's a spot where that horse is outstanding, but yep. you got to have that horse that's going to go chase him down. So, would you have rather had? Well, obviously, in a perfect world, you got both, right? Yeah. But do you feel like that was a step up? Even having his disadvantages, do you feel like the sorrow was a step up for where you went? Um, well, I think it happened the way it needed to because I went back to square one heading when I lost the yellow. It was like I realized how much the yellow actually did for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like scored and then ran to a spot where I could use my rope. Right. Like didn't overrun that spot. Didn't, you know, he got me to that spot where I was comfortable throwing with the sorrel. I was trying to catch the cow. Right. And, and now over, I got to change, 
change my swing, change the throw I'm looking for, change. Now I got to figure out how to score. Okay, so my question would be, why'd you buy him in the first place? I don't do. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad horse, but I'm, what, what was it about him that caused you to go, yeah, I can make this work? I can afford that one. <laughs> and he was still expensive to me at the time. It's a, a great question. Great, great. Which answer. he was a good horse. I oh, mean, right. He no, was a good horse. I mean, we and look I at knew, what you won. And I remember my dad trying to talk me out of it, like, hey, this horse don't fit you. And I'm like, this. I need this horse for where I want to go. Right. And I need to figure out how to do this. Right. And so I talked him into this as a good idea. And then for the Who, first. Where'd that horse come from? He come from Raleigh Grisham out of uh, Mississippi. Okay. And I remember thinking for the first six months, man, I'm, I should have wished, I should have listened to my dad. <laughs> like, this ain't going good. Right. I was back. I thought by now I'd be so much further along with this one. I sold the buckskin practice horse to Shane, the boy that sold me the yellow. Okay. And he was, I had to go. I would jump ride him at the rodeos just because my roping was better. Right. And I could win on that one because he would score and lope and wouldn't overrun my throw, and I could turn more steers on the on the buckskin. And I, I don't know. I don't know if this is as true in the heading. It, it's it, to a degree I know it's true, but like in the calf roping especially, a great horse is more about what he'll let you do than what he does, right? Like yes. a really good calf horse is a horse that just gets rid of all the extra moves. Yeah. That to me is... Like you look at pockets, that horse is so good. He's, he can get tight. That the reason that horse is so good is he doesn't add anything extra to the run. Like yeah. you watch him stand there on the end of the rope, he's not moving. He, it's not. It's not all the big things he does. It's the simple things he does that lets Caleb do what Caleb does. Yeah, right. That's right. With a head horse, that's not as true because you do kind of have to have a rock star speed, and they've got to score. But at the same time, if they don't let you do what you can do, all those extra things are almost in your way. Yeah. And that's, and that's a hard thing. I mean, honestly, I feel bad for people needing head horses because those ones that do that are freaking expensive. Like, well, you can't just go find one. And like I was actually talking to Marcus Terrio last night, we both rode our second stringers over here. And I think my yellow has been really good for me since I've been riding him. I've, he hadn't messed up at the rodeo at all. But just like I was talking to Marcus last night, I probably had the best steer which I wasn't really just trying to be for. I was just trying to, right. I think 5'5 five, five was when I went. I was 5'2", but like I was telling him, if I'd have been on my gray, I think I could probably effortlessly been 4 or 5 on the steer I had just because the, the timing I'm so What he lets to. you do. And he knows what I'm going to do. Right. And the timing, like I don't have the timing. I've won decent on the yellow, but it's still not like if I need to go be 3 tomorrow night, like I'm going to be a little nervous about that timing. Will you get on the gray over here tomorrow? Is there is there a scenario by which you would get on the gray tomorrow? I wanted to get on the gray last night, uh, but I, the yellow has been really good, and he has not cost me any money. And I've got to talk. I, I've got to ride him. If I don't trust him here, I'm not going to trust him at Reno. Yeah. And I've been trying to talk myself into riding him at the finals. I might ride that one at the finals. And I got why? Why would a guy? I'm not saying you're wrong. I know we're skipping a lot of the story. If somebody's listening, we're going to get back to the sorrow and how that went. However, for, for right now, why, if the Gray's got that kind of timing, why would a guy even think about getting off of him? Well, for me, like I rode the Gray at Sioux Falls last week, and it's almost like he's got the timing. Like, I don't, it's hard to explain. Like, well, let me, let me ask you this. Which horse between the two, which horse is the most free? 
the yellow so by far. In my opinion, which everybody's going to listen to this, but Jordan, shut up. You don't know. At the NFR, everybody thinks it's going to be so fast, and it is. But those steers are out in front of you, and they're fresh, and yeah. they're strong, and they're running. Yeah. Like, a guy has got to have forward from his head horse before he has done. And that's what the yellow, I mean, the gray knows me so much. When I go to stand up and throw, he's like, he Looking knows for it's it. coming. And the yellow don't know it's coming yet. And I can trick the yellow into going. The yellow wants to go to the cow, just like I was talking about the sorrel right. earlier. He's wanting to run to the cow. Yeah, the yellow wants to go to the cow. Well, and, and the steers out there being fresh and running like they run, even if a horse is a little bit free, you can still get it tight fast. I mean, they're going to get to the end of it fast. Yeah. But if your horse is running through your throat, you're going to catch a left horn way more often than if a horse is beating you and you're just kind of trying to, like, launch it at one that's a, when a horse is ahead of you. Well, and almost like for the yellow, like, if the uh like that last night that steer was letting up my gray would have i could have he would have seen that coming and right. he would have spotted him right. out where that yellow like i said is still trying to go catch the cow but you're not going to have a lot of steers letting up probably yeah. not out there out no there. i don't think so right and you got the gray so if you draw one that has been letting up you know you can get on him but yeah that make I, I, that make to me that makes sense i think that's interesting I, it'll be fun to watch now haven't heard this yeah i can't well i can't say that that's what i'm gonna do but I think I can. If you do it, that's why. I think I can go turn 10 steers on the yellow. Yeah. And I think I can do it fairly fast. I may not be able to be three. He's going to be too free in the beginning, I think, but he'll figure it out. Who you got out there? I got Jonathan Torres. You bet. That guy is nasty. Now, yep. speaking of underrated, it feels like that guy, for as good as he ropes, has kind of flown under the radar a little bit. And he is, he's dirty. He's been really good the, the last two years, for sure. Uh, and it's funny, like I told him the other day, I, I needed some money to get into Houston and, and the winter rodeos last year. And I actually entered the first rodeo of the year with him. Rosenberg really? and Hempstead. I entered with Jonathan Torres. How'd it go? I missed both of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go back to the sorrel because, in theory, listening, you needed as much fun as it was not. Would you say you needed that period of time in your roping to get with a horse like the sorrel? for where you're wanting to go i mean was that right or do you think it, if you had to do over again would you still bought him yes because he was a good horse when i figured out he, he was not a great horse but he was a good horse and like some of the things that he did i wish i could get in other horses like he was he was so free he would never take your throw away right like, free and my gray is almost which I was just talking about my gray being tight. But, like, when you run them out in the arena, like, my gray's got the same feel in the field that that sorrel does. Like, he wants to run up and out. Right. When I get running, when right. I get running toward the cow, I have to pull – I have to manually turn the gray off most of the time. But when I cock it and I'm going fast in the arena – Then he reads it. He can feel me and he beats me. Right. And that's that's what I don't want to happen. Right. So, from the sorrel, how long, how long did you own him before you felt like, all right, I got it? Hmm. It was probably at least a year. I probably, I probably started. Yeah, I would say in fifteen was the the learning year for for me and that. And then in sixteen, I probably had it figured out. So, go. I want to go back to Alabama for a second because in the middle of all this, we have an advantage. Now we get to skip ahead. We know how it goes. We know where you're at today. Hmm. But. It, what are you doing as far as paying your bills, as far as, like, your family, your home life? I mean, in the middle of this, were you all were you ever making plans on, like, if it doesn't go this way, what life would be like? Well, my parents always said if I had a college degree, that would be a, a backup plan. So 
I got a degree. I was going to college all through that. I, I graduated college. Where'd you go to school? I started out at Troy University, and then I was on the radio team there. My third year, they ended the radio team, and I went to University of West Alabama. So you're going to real schools. I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't like you're going to like local community colleges. Yeah, no, no, I went to universities. To do what? Physical education. Is that something you liked, or was it the whole was the whole time you were there? Is like this is my backup plan. I just got to get it done. Honestly, I had no plan. Uh, all I wanted to do was write. Really, like I mean, I was. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I was. They were like, well, really and truly, at that time, I thought my radio coach had the best best job you could have. I'm like, why well, wouldn't I want to do this? You know. Right. He doesn't. I mean. Well, you're around the culture. You're in the industry. You're working with young people. Yeah, you're getting a rope. You can do other stuff. I'm yeah. Like, this would be a great job. Would you say today that that's still on your radar of things you might do later? Mm, I wouldn't say I wouldn't. Uh, you know, not like you know. stay up dreaming about it. But yeah, I mean, no, not, I'm not craving it, but, yeah. you know, maybe. And so during school, you go to school for four years, get your degree. It, but really, in reality, it was more like five and a half. <laughs> <laughs> You're the Van Wilder. Your, yeah. But... But it just as a backup, just as a backup plan. Yeah, and still, like even when and uh, even when I graduated, I didn't just go start applying for jobs at schools. Like that's right. not. What did your mom and dad do? Uh, my dad, he uh, he kind of runs a uh, some rental property, mm -hmm. and then my, my mom is a school teacher. Do you, okay. I'm curious. I, I don't know if I don't know how to ask this in a way that makes sense, but I love rodeo stories that come out of blue collar, regular backgrounds, and that doesn't mean I don't appreciate the people who came from, you know, all the all the pomp and circumstances. Not it's not that I it's not that I don't want it there to be anything negative to what I'm trying to say here, but like in your mind, how do you think it shaped your process? coming from a working family like how how did you see what you had to go through as being different from somebody that could just write the check and go do whatever well i mean i've not to say my parents haven't helped me tremendously but like i've had to i've had to win you know to keep going you but know? that's that's what i mean i mean there are families that that have the ability if they really really wanted to and we all know somebody who their family could write a check for 400000 for a horse if they really wanted to. But really, we should yeah. like, when you're from a family, like, my family's the same way. Like, my dad could want the world for me, but he could write a check for 400000 but it isn't clear, right? Yeah. And it, it creates some self-reliance. I think it... I could go nerdy. I could go super nerdy. I could tell you that Unbeatable's new Forge-only blend is a no-grain included, yet high-energy, low-sugar, easily digestible, fermentable fiber. I could tell you it's clean and natural. Three simple, high-powered ingredients, alfalfa, beet pulp, and flaxseed oil. I could go on to tell you that it can replace corn or other grain-based equine feeds at effective cost. Alfalfa, beet pulp, flaxseed oil, which has omega-3, adds cool burning fuel while supporting healthy skin coat. I could tell you all those things, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Yes, it's an 11 by 64 in diameter pellet. I could tell you you don't have to water it. I could tell you all those things. Here's what I'm going to tell you instead. The new feed by Unbeatable Feed, yes, they still have the shreds. Yes, they still have the beet pulp pellets, but they also have added a forge-only feed. Here's what I want you to know. Every one of their endorsees that they've sent uh, uh, samples to has come back and ordered more of it. 
There are people that are giving up endorsements. You ready for this? There are people that are giving up endorsements to feed this feed. It is blowing the doors off. But here's the coolest part. I can now tell you that it's carried in all the places that you wanted it to be carried. I could give you the list. Um, but here's the one I'm going to focus on today. You can now find unbeatable feeds. Ready for this? I wish I could do a drum roll with my mouth. But at NRS. That's correct. NRS is now carrying unbeatable feeds. You can go in and check them out. They get Aquinity there. You can get classic products there. You can get Equibrand. You can get all your stuff at NRS, but you can now go buy unbeatable feeds at NRS in all of their locations. All of the NRS locations now carry it. Um, like I said, imagine that there's people giving up endorsements to come feed this feed because they're seeing those kinds of results in their horses. I feed it to my roping cattle. I've never had fatter, slicker, healthier roping cattle. They don't look like roping cattle anymore. They look, they look like little Mexican show steers with horns. So, and, and, and you only have to feed a pound and a half a day to your steers. I, I, I could go on and on. Let me just tell you, unbeatable feeds, go check them out. Find them at NRS. They are making it happen and doing big things. We live in one of the hottest real estate markets in the Western industry here in Wickenburg. It can be confusing. I know the people from out of town go, okay, where does everything happen? What's in the middle of things? What's the dark side of the moon? Let me tell you, Erin Freeman, she's not only a friend, she is an absolute professional in the real estate industry. You can find her at Erin Freeman Properties on Facebook. You can check her out at erinfreeman.realtor on Instagram and TikTok. Here's what I like about Erin. She is from a team roping family. She understands that when you call and say you're looking for arena, you don't mean a riding pin. When you say I'm looking for something with stalls, it doesn't mean four panels chained together. She understands the industry, but she also understands the, the, the lifestyle. One of the things I'll say about Erin, that, like I said, not only is she great, I don't know if she'd want me saying this, she also kind of keeps her finger on the rental industry too. So if you're looking for a rental, maybe not officially, but I can tell you she knows where it's at. She's also brutally honest. She will tell you exactly what's happening in the industry. If you're too high, if you're too low, if what you're looking for is achievable, if she has in her inventory what you're looking for, you will get an honest assessment from somebody who not only understands what you're looking for, but where to find it. Check her out, Aaron Freeman. But he could ride a check for 400,000, but he's isn't clear, right? Yeah. And it, it creates some self-reliance. I think it creates some grittiness and some self-reliance that a guy needs about August you know, September when things are not going well, it's kind of bred into that demographic. Maybe not to say that people that have money aren't tough. That's not what I'm saying, but it's part of, it's been a part of your life, like since the beginning. Mm, yeah. And so, yeah, your parents help you, but have you, have you seen times where that's been an advantage knowing you can't just call and fall on a backup plan to somebody to write a check? Well, I mean, I guess I could, I mean, I've known that if I got in a big bind, they could help me. But I mean, I, I mean, we ain't talking about like 400,000, you know? Sure. I'm just, I've never been without a safety net, I would say. Like I've. Well, you know, you got a home, you know, you got food on the table. You know, you're not going to live on yeah, the I'm street. Yeah, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go without. Thing. That's not a small, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty good safety net. Yeah. It's not a million dollars, but it's a really good thing to know. I'm not going to go just without. get home, yeah. I got a home. Yeah, I'm just not going to be able to go if I find the best, you know, if I find the head horses for me, I'm going to have to figure out, I don't, I'd have probably have to figure out how to get it, but it would be a. Big borrow, steel work. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I would do it. So from the sorrow, you start rodeoing, your rookie year goes good, and you said you won that on just a good horse. Mm -hmm. Not a great horse, just a good horse. Yep. At what point? were you able to start thinking about upgrading? Because if a guy's going to do this, obviously everybody says it, if a guy's going to do it, you got to have a horse. Mm -hmm. So where in there did that ball start to roll of like, man, I got to get, I got to get a horse. 
Well, I knew that horse wasn't going to be very good in the wintertime. So winter of 2018, me and Trace, we got into the winter rodeos, found another horse. Um, it was Roan. He was – it's funny because he wasn't a very good horse, but he was – very good for what I needed at the time. Like he scored really good. Well, after having just said he wasn't a very good horse, do I dare ask where he came from? Because that's—I don't want somebody feeling. Well, like no, I'm not trying to say he wasn't a good horse. He was a good—he was a good horse. He come from a buddy of mine, Colt Fisher, the same place yep. I got my gray from. Okay. Um. It's hard. Like a lot. Most people wouldn't. Most people would not love him. Okay. He scored good, and um, I reached. And he faced really good. So just a good fit for what you needed. Yes, I rode him. Like, the first place I took him was San Antonio, and I think we won third there. And then, like, I think when we got to Reno that year, I think we had 30,000 won, and probably most of it was on that horse. So, I mean, again, it's less about the horse, more about what they let you do. You're saying that horse let you do what you could do. Yeah. Had you won enough to pay for a horse like that? I'm asking all sorts of personal questions. You can say Um, pass if I do. I can't remember how I paid for that horse. It was like <laughs> the horse cost thirteen thousand. I won that as wait, Tom. what? He cost thirteen. Thirteen thousand. Okay, so now Tom. we're up to two. Yep. If you're keeping track, those are two horse prices that were not supposed to reflect the kind of winning that went into it. Yeah, thirteen thousand. If anybody's listening, was he older? He might have been fifteen or sixteen then. Maybe still though. I mean, that's that's he might have been a little. That's a bargain. Oh yeah, I mean that's what. Most people wouldn't have liked him. I mean, he was just... Well, that's a good fit. Yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, the horse I sold, Lightning, I came, I had to come way off what I knew that horse was worth because where I was at, you know, I live in Arizona, right? Mm. You're not going to sell a horse to a grandpa. Yeah. And that's kind of who we sell horses to out there, right? And so I, I had to come off of it to make sure he went somewhere that would be a good fit for him. Mm. There are times where horses do get sold for cheaper because they're not going to fit your everyday guy. Yeah. So if you find the roan, he works for that. And were, was he, was he a good fit in comparison with the sorrel? Like ride sorrel here, ride the roan there, yeah. or did he take over the number one spot? No, he wasn't number one. Like he wasn't very fast. He was kind of like the yellow I was talking about. Scored good. Um, this one was a little more like he ducked. He wanted to duck a little more, and he would. Uh, he eventually got to where he knew what was coming, and like I could ride him in the winter and trick him enough, mm-hmm. but. He eventually got smart to it. I'm curious, just the horse trainer. I mean, when you say trick him, what sorts of things, when you feel a horse is starting to get ahead of you and starting to kind of want to beat you a little bit, what sorts of tricks are there to get by? I mean, once they're that old, they start figuring it out pretty fast. But, you know, practicing on them uh, kind of almost doesn't work because they know they're not somewhere that the money's at. Well, like, if just say, like, if I got on Dustin's, that one of his that wants to duck with him first few times he's probably not going to duck with me because i'm giving him different cues you know and like same goes for anybody you know once a horse that horse had figured me out right and knew my swing knew where i wanted to be and knew what was coming yep so he just so when you said when you said you had to trick him to kind of get by for a little while what sorts of things were you doing other than like at the rodeo would you do anything different or by then it's too late by then it was kind of too late like i could turn him out and not he was mostly he was usually better like if i didn't rope a whole lot fresher yeah and he got fresh and then after about two or three you know around the around the panels like he was like all right i'm back yeah (laughs) i remember what we're doing yeah so what do you do what does a guy do a guy that's rodeoing 
you buy a horse, you get the good out of him, which sounds like you did. He was good for you, but then he gets to that point. Where What's the buyer market for a horse like that when you're done with him? I sold that horse to um, some kids, and yep. he was, I mean, from the time they stepped in the saddle, he was a perfect horse for them. Yep. They well, they're hit. not going to be reaching to the degree that you are. No, I mean, it he would changes go to the his cow. style. Yeah, he would go yeah. to the cow. I wouldn't ask. They they weren't asking him right. for they, what I was asking him He for. got to go be a different horse. Yes, and, and he, he got to enjoy. He probably didn't enjoy what I was asking him to do. Right, right. So after the that year, it was 18. What, what year did you make the finals the first time? 2020. That was in Dallas? Yes. Okay. So 2018... Are you, are you like, heady about stuff? Like, are you in your head about stuff? Like, if you don't get in for a little while, do you start to kind of get that, like, I don't know if I'm one of the guys, or is it just not something you really spend any time thinking about? Um, well, like I said, we got to Reno that year, and I think we had, like, 30,001 top five in the world. And, uh, and that's with Trace. With Trace, yeah. And I just made, I think, I don't remember what I was, maybe, like, 20... 20th or 21st in 17 with half the money one getting to Reno and I'm like I, I feel like I got a chance this time after yeah. last year you know terrible I might have finished with 50,000 that year like just just I, I don't know maybe had the expectation that year because the first year I left I had no expectation right. you know so and, let me ask you this because you do see guys that have a good winner this is not picking because these guys rope so good. I hate to say their names because I think they're great guys. This is not to be ugly, but you look at the kind of year that the Yakos had this year, and those guys are so ropey. And that's not to pick on them. It's to say it is very common to see a good winner start to struggle through the summer. Like that, and I'm using them only as an example this year because that was this year, but if you're saying that was you, when people start to struggle in the summer that have had a good winner, is it is it the size of the arenas? Is it the longer scores? Is yeah, it, I mean, I would say, I mean, the Equos they rope so good. They rope really so good. good. Um, and I would say I was probably a lot like the header um, whenever I was I was that back then. Right. I didn't not saying he don't ride very good, but I didn't ride very good. That guy uses his rope yeah, so well. But he, that's what I'm saying. It'd he, be hard he not uses to, yeah. his rope so good you want to be able to lean on that all year and then if you try to lean on that all year when the when the steers start you know the barriers get longer when you get to caldwell like you gotta ride your yeah. horse you gotta, like, have, it's 10, just a you gotta have 10 horses to start the year if you're gonna just use your not that he does i'm saying if a guy does that's it takes too many horses to get through a full year Roping yeah. with just your rope. Yeah, and you just you can't turn enough steers like that's what I think I've found or I can't I can't turn enough steers at the barrier to make the finals. Like yeah. you gotta I gotta go turn more steers, give my healers more chances. Yeah. Well and then you see guys that do that right there so well that every summer they just kill them and they're so good with their horses, but then they get to the NFR where actually all the money is and it's back to the other style of roping. And you see guys have a bad finals because it's like the thing that got them there isn't necessarily what they're using once they get there. And man, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to be a team roper and not be well-rounded. Mm. You, I mean, it's gotta be, you gotta be good at both. Yeah. So don't make the finals that year in your mind. Is it? Well, um, yeah, I mean, big disappointment. Not only to not make the finals, but not, I mean, that was not even really get close. I was really, really broke that year. And then um, started roping with Rich 
that fall. Um, I still, I, I had another horse. I got another horse then, but really didn't. How did the Rich thing happen? Because you say that casually, but, like, I started roping with Rich Skelton. is not words most people will ever say. Well, he called me and asked me if I wanted a rodeo. He called me and asked me if I wanted a rodeo, and I uh, was like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. What and, time do I want uh, me to be there? So I stayed down there that fall and um, still just didn't really – just didn't have the horses. I had the gray that I made the finals on the first time, and he was still really green – I didn't really trust him a whole lot. And uh, Rich cut me in February, right after right after San Antonio. Right, well, that was fun. Good thing I didn't unpack my clothes yet. I'll go ahead and head out. Yeah, and then, so then I definitely well, think I'm done. Do you feel, do you, would you, you tell me if you don't want to get into it, but like, as cool as that is to get the call, do you want a rope? How devastating or was it not a big deal? I mean, what was your, like, you get cut, is that, frustrating of like I just got started like I didn't yeah. really feel like I had a chance yeah or, I mean that was Feb- I mean February and I can't even make it to February I'm like man I, I don't probably, you feel like you got a chance yeah I'm probably not doing what I need to be doing I probably need to be done now like right I'm gonna cut in February so um didn't really know what I was gonna do at that point and then Levi called me and I didn't really know Levi then um he was friends with Dustin and Dustin was like hey you need to give him a chance rope with him so I told him I would rope that spring I was like man I will rope with you from March till April just like Rich did with me <laughs> I said I well I had no like I had no money I was like man I don't know what I'm gonna do I'm not I'll, I'll rope this spring that's hard to obligate yourself when you don't know I yeah mean, you well, want to give the guy a chance but at the same time to be honest like hey I don't know what I'm gonna be able to do yeah and I was I, I mean I wanted to be up front and we I think we placed it the first, I mean, some amateurs too, but placed like the first five rodeos. I'm like, all right. So, uh, Hey, placing an amateur when you're broke is a good thing. Yeah. Like, there mean, are times where it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're placing an amateur. It feels like you're getting paid. Winning's winning no yeah. matter where you're at. I mean, a win's a win. So we left that, me and Levi left went that year. Um, that was 19. I was a 19. Okay. Uh, didn't have a very good fourth. I was riding my left of my sorrel that I bought, and then the gray that. Where'd the gray come from? He actually, I had him since he was a. Uh, I think I got him when he was a three year old. Oh, really? Yep. And started him, and I don't know. My sorrel got to where I could. I was having trouble scoring him, and I'm like, all right, I got to do something else. I got on the gray at Red Lodge, and we won Red Lodge. What? How old? How old was he? I was 19. Uh, he's 14 now, so what would that be? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Whatever it is, four years ago. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Ten? Yeah, 10. Let's just say 10 maybe. Um, won, the, won the first rodeo I took him to, then we won 30000 that July, all on him. No kidding. Yep. Almost. What kept you from hauling him before that? If you had him since he was three, why was the guy not like? If he's that, what kept you from getting on him sooner? Nothing really changed, other than I didn't think I could score him. Like he would, he didn't want to do in the box what I wanted him to do. Okay. And I had some guys asking me about him, like, "Hey, do you want to sell that horse?" I'm like, "No, not really." But I knew he, I knew he had potential. Like I knew he could be good. So at 10, it was just kind of like, I got to do well, it. Well, finally, one day I was like, you either got to figure it out on this one or you got to sell him. Like, he's worth something. Right. 
So I started just backing him in the box. He wanted to hold his head to the left sometimes, to the right sometimes. But I wanted him to hold it straight. I thought that's the way he needed to do it. I said, you know what? I'm just going to let him do whatever he wants to do. When the gate's banging, he's going to look. I'm going to pull until I think I can get out, and then we're going to see what happens. And that's what I did. And, and did he score like that? Yeah. I mean, when the gate's banging, he would look and try to go. But if you if you pulled on him, he would wait. Like he, Yeah. He, well, that's all. I mean, at the end of the day, we've all got ideal. But at the end of the day, it's functional. Like, if you can hit the barrier on him, even if there's tricks, that's, in essence, that's the same as scoring, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once I figured out that's what he wanted to do and I figured out how to do it that way, I was like, he goes when I want to go. Yeah. It's just not the way I want to do it. But, <laughs> I mean, we're winning. We'll just try this. Right. It's easy to forgive one yeah, when those yeah. checks coming in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A win. You know what? Win. I think this is the right way, but keep exactly, going. Exactly. Yeah. So thirty thousand over the four uh, over July, and what kept you from getting in that year? Um, that year because because what you just said was the time of year you hadn't won the year before. Now you're winning that time of year, which tells you throughout the year if you can put together put together the full year, which here we are, twenty twenty three. But if you could put together the whole year, you know you're able to win in the winter. Mm-hmm. Now you know you're able to win in the summer. What was it? Was it just a slow winter that kept you from getting in that year? Um, no, actually, I mean we were up and around the top fifteen most of the that fall and summer, and uh, just couldn't get it done. Uh, I'm sure I didn't rope great. Um, just, just didn't get it done. Honestly, yeah. I, I, I didn't turn enough steers back then. And then in do you, 20. Do you think the reason you said you're catching percentage twice now, do you think your catching percentage reflected surviving horses early on? Like you're having to survive your head horses early on and that led to a lower catching percentage? Was it the reaching? I mean, in, in your mind, how did you, how do I say that? How do I say that? Like if you've got a horse that's a perfect fit and you know you can catch every single time, then a guy's catching percentage is going to go up, right? Well, I, I don't know if it was more of the horses or more me because I just, the last two years, um, I've rode this gray and hadn't turned very many. I, I just, in the southeast, you grow up with a win-first mentality, and you can't make it, you can't really, to, to me, make a living with that because, you know, you'll win. I just don't turn enough steers that way. And well, now the rodeos pay ten and fifteen holes, and you right. can win a thousand for tenth. I'm like, hey, I, I could use that thousand. Let me put over my pride the, aside, and I'll go try to win that thousand. Uh, well, and that's that's maturity because over the course of a year, those all add up. Like you're gonna, you're the guy, you're the guy that's gonna win first if they draw you that steer. You you already know that. You, I'm not saying anything that's news to anybody listening, but if you're the guy that's gonna win first when you have the right steer, but you're gonna win fifth, sixth, seventh on the bad steer, man. Now all of a sudden, over the course of a year, that starts to add up. I mean that's a that's a lucrative approach mm-hmm. rather than just I have to win first or I'm I'm out. Yeah. Well, I was just setting myself up for failure really. Like I was just I had my run planned before I went in there. Like, hey, I got to throw right here to win something. Well, that ain't the case. Like, you know, you got a partner back there. Let if if you can't if you can't if you have to take another swing, let him try to make up the time. Like it ain't or at least give him a shot. So yeah, it all doesn't one. have to be on my shoulders and i think that's what changed the most this year when did that do you, you think that happened like you're saying the, in the beginning like just your mentality was there somebody that set you down and like hey you know what would really help i mean where did that was it just the last august and going through what you went through or is there a conversation yeah probably because um 
T uh, Woolman, I talked to him a lot, and he has been telling me, you don't catch enough. I'm like, it ain't like it was when you rodeoed. Like, you got to go, you got to be four to win something. Well, then finally I'm like, what do I got to lose? And to <laughs> me, I, I remember very clearly first rodeo of the year, um, Odessa, fast setup. I wanted to, uh, like, it plays in my mind, like, uh, if I want to cock my rope or if I want to hold it down. And my horse gets, like I said, about Vegas when my horse feels me cock it, like, he knows, hey, I gotta, I'm probably going to be ducking him right here. And I had been trying to tell myself the, for a long time, I'm going to hold it down and see if I'm fast enough. And somebody went right in front of me and blasted one over there and i'm like which instantly wants to make you pull your rope up i want to hold it up and i'm like nope i'm as they're pulling the barrier i'm having to tell myself hold it down see what happens uh we were four two or four three and one around holding it down i'm like all right so then that's did you ever did you call t and go like okay i'm sorry or was it just one of those silently you know he knows that we don't have to talk about it no i mean he knows i i've been trying to turn more um but, like, right there was a big, hey, you can be fast enough. I know if I hold it down, my catch percentage is going to go way up. Sure. Because I'm going to ride my horse. So, Vegas, 10 steers in a row, what are you doing? No, I'm cocking it there. You got <laughs> to cock it there. It's going to be uncomfortable because I, I haven't really cocked it all year. But Yeah. So, I want to I wanna go. 2020, you finally get in. Did that just feel like a grill off your shoulders to have finally gotten that done? For those of you guys who don't know about Bale's hay, let me just tell you, it has changed the way that I feed alfalfa. I feed so much less hay. Um, Part of that's with my partnership with Unbeatable, which by the way, check them out also, but I feed less of it because it's so dense. It's such high quality stuff. It flakes off in like little bitty flakes. I've joked every single commercial, it feels like something you would eat yourself. It just has that deep, rich smell. It's very leafy, great, great quality stuff. But they also have a storefront there in Buckeye um, you can check it out. It's down there on uh, I, on Highway 85 uh, in Buckeye. They're now an ADM Mormons feed dealer, which means not only can you go get the best hay in Arizona, you can also get all types of feed for and hay for all kinds of animals. Uh, the Mormons, you can check it out. The Mormons feed all the things that they bring. So not only is it the best hay, not only can they deliver, not only is the best quality hay I've ever fed, you can also go check them out at their storefront in Buckeye and pick up Mormons feed, kind of a one-stop shop thing. Check them out, baleshay.com. The update that has cost me almost the sanity of my brain, almost the function of my phone, and has taken so much time away from my day. And that sounds negative, but it isn't. Everybody wants to know, how's the Pro Series lights? I got them in. Andy, on his way back from Vegas, stopped and installed them up here at the arena. You guys, these Pro Series lights from Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. Holy cow. They live up to the hype. We roped the other night until about uh, maybe about 1 o'clock. And we get done and we realize I was talking to my buddies because we still have some of the thousand watts uh, supplementing the few that they brought out. And we get done and I go, hey, we never turn the thousand watt lights up. We rope the entire time with our thousand watt lights on dim because the Pro Series lights are doing such a good job. Uh, If you've waited, if you've been kind of kicking around, I don't know, solar, maybe, I don't know. I will post pictures also, but the update is this. They are amazing. You will not be disappointed. Check them out. Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. 
You guys check out the 1017 Project. You've heard me talk about it. Uh, we are donating hamburger from Roped Out Rope and Steers. We've been in business since 2014. Last year in 2022, we donated a little over $700,000 of hamburger to food banks, after school programs, women's shelters, anywhere that is making food available to those in need. So if you want to support the 1017 Project, you can check it out at our website, 1017project.com, all of the social medias. Uh, we've had some, we've had some people come in on the podcast and go, Hey, we heard about it. We love it. We want to support it. Let me tell you the most amazing number that we can provide. We can put a pound of hamburger, a national cost of about $5 and 30 cents, $5 and 20 cents, one pound of hamburger into a food bank for every dollar that comes in. So if you're thinking to yourself, well, it's a charity, what percent of my dollar actually goes to the cause? Cause I know there are bad ones. We can take your dollar and turn it into $5 and 20 cents bet. Check us out. You want us to prove it? We can. Check it out. 1017project.com. It's going to be uncomfortable because I, I haven't really cocked it all year, but. Yeah. So I want to I want to go. 2020, you finally get in. Did that just feel like a gorilla off your shoulders to have finally gotten that done? Yeah, absolutely. Was yeah. there self-doubt going into 2020 that you might be the guy that ropes some mates? Because we, we all know them. You don't really want to talk about them. You certainly don't want to say their names, but like. We've all known guys that are just so phenomenally talented and rope so good that never got in. But going into 2020, in the, in the back of your mind, are you thinking that is a possibility, or are you like, no, I know I'm going to get it. It's just a matter of when. What's that get? Get into the NFR. Like You know, I mean, I can't say that I ever felt like I – I can't ever say that I, I knew I would make it. I always thought I could, and there was a chance that I might one day. And, but at Mineral Wells that that fall when I I think we were three and won the rodeo, like I I got that feeling like, hey, you made the finals and it was like like I teared up. Like it was one of those deals. Mineral Wells? Well, that was the twenty twenty Oh, they were moving rodeos moving around. Moving rodeos around. Yeah, they had that's Mineral right. Wells that's at right. the end. Um Yeah, so so, and I think, I think in the industry, there was always this thought of like, man, if that guy ever gets in, it's going to be fun to watch. You're so ropey. Those Southeast type setup out there in Vegas or, and then, and then you make them and it's Dallas, right? Which is a different setup. It's not the same setup as you get in Vegas. So yes, you get in, but at the same time, it's like, we still haven't been able to see you at the Thomas and Mac under that setup as a fan of team roping. I know industry wide people are like, man, I'm excited to see what it's going to look like. So getting into dallas monkeys off your back in that in in your mind that year is it like well that's it now i'm one of the guys um you don't want to say yes obviously i know you don't want to say yes to that but if that was the case well i i will say i did like hey i've made it it's going i'm gonna make it every year from here on out that's not the case i it's harder it was way harder for me to make it after that then uh, there was more pressure the next year were you open Levi when you made it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then I wrote with him in uh, 21. Okay. And um, like I said, I mean, that was, I roped terrible the next two years. It was like, it was like that was the only thing that you radioed for to make right. the finals. And, and then you check that off the box and it's hard to. No, I'm saying after, like after that, like, hey, I got to make it here. It's a. It's been a terrible year. Yeah, like, like yeah, this yeah is, right. This is the right. only place I need to be. I've, I've actually heard a lot of people say that. Like, once you get in, that's the only acceptable outcome from that point forward. Yeah. Which takes all the joy out of the process. Yeah. You don't get no, to you don't get to enjoy life exactly. unless that. And 
not to make everything spiritual, but from a spiritual standpoint, that's what we, how deep you want to go here? External idolatry, like you hear about in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. External idolatry is bowing down and worshiping an idol. And we're like, that's so stupid. We would never do that. We're not that dumb. We're not the people that are going to do that. But internal idolatry is when you internally say, without that, life's not worth living. That's yeah. what idolatry is. And I think it's so sneaky in how it presents itself that if you can't take joy in the process of something unless X, Y, and Z, man, that takes all the joy out of rodeoing. Yeah. It takes the joy out of riding your horses. It takes yeah. the joy out of your partners or the travel. Anything that you could be enjoying, it's like, no, I will not enjoy that unless I make it to the NFR, which takes makes life not worth living. Yeah, and that was I would say that was probably me, 2020 and 2000 or 21 and 22. Like I had no joy about anything. Like I was anxious. Just this, you got to do this. You got to make the finals. And and I think really coming back last fall was uh, a redirect for me. Like you can't live like this. Like what's the death? It's that. It's that death. Miserable all the time. I would rather never make them again than live like this. Exactly, dude. That's okay. Okay, I really. I know I was a pastor for a while. I really don't try to make these things spiritual. I don't know if you've listened to them or not. This is not normal. I'm, I, but just to throw another point in there, what that is, there's a there's a story about monkeys, how they catch monkeys in the jungle. They'll put a box with fruit in it, and mm-hmm. they cut a hole in it. Have you heard this? Yeah. And they can stick their hand in for people listening. They can stick their hand in and grab the they fruit, can't get it out. but then they can't get it out. And as long as they're holding on to that thing that is so important to them, they'll let themselves get captured because they can't pull the fruit back through the hole. Yeah. And so what, what I'm... I, I, correlate what you're saying is i can't live like this i don't care if i ever get in again i can't live like this that's you letting go that's literally you letting go of that internal idolatry sort of thing that we all do and there's a it you think of it as a death but man it's freedom there's a freedom to go i don't care i'm gonna enjoy my day i'm gonna live a life that i want to live with or without that that's i mean that your story is kind of a sermon i don't know if you know this (laughs) or not that's kind of a sermon type story well i i I would like to say my life is something you can see Christ through, but I, I mean, I, it's hard to say that for me. I, I, I want to be that way. Well, in this, in that right there, because now I want to talk about 2023, because you experience a death, you turn loose of something, you let go of something, you lean into the death of one thing, and the life that has come back on the backside of that, you're now setting where in the world? Third. You had the finals made by, when did you know you were in this year? July. July. That's that's early. Like yeah. that's the beginning of the season, and you had them made. Yeah. Uh, dude, that's that's a story. I mean, if anybody, if anybody listens to this and can understand that, it's not to guarantee they make the finals. You didn't say I'm going to do this as a trick. I'm going to try to trick life into let me make the finals. You're saying I don't care. I'm done. Yeah. I can't live like this. You go to Odessa. And you say, well, what difference does it make? That isn't that you're actively living in that decision in a way that was beneficial. Like there's no way to trick the system. There's no way to game the system. You have got to let it go in a meaningful way or you do not get to see the results of it. Otherwise something just got sick and you babied it kind of back to life. Yeah. Um, And, and, and I'm not saying it's a 100%, like I could feel myself like, even like this fall, like getting away from the whatever happens is going to happen, like mentality, like, a, you know, a little. It's funny how your mind shift can change. Like it ain't something that is easy for me. Like I have to act actively like work on that. I'm going to get ca- it. I know I'm going to catch flack about this because here we go again. That Paul says I die daily. 
Yeah. When you've died once, it's easier to die again. Yeah. When you've experienced the death, it's easier to go back and go, wait, wait, I'm doing it again and start over. Yeah. I mean, no, it ain't. That's what I'm saying. It ain't something I wake up and like every day I'm like, all right, I'm going to be this way. You know, right. I, I, it's something I actively have to be like, hey, you know, be. I'm going if, back to it. I got to yeah, go back if, to if it. If I got to be seven, be seven. If I ha- get a chance to be three, be three. I had to tell myself that last night. Like, hey, just catch the cow. Just you do this every day. Well, I will tell you watching, it didn't look like you made that decision. To me, it looked like you had the first available, sharp, Trey gets him fast. Like, it didn't look like you threw through coils. That's not what I'm saying. But, like, even your go catch the steer is pretty freaking good. Well, and that's what is funny that me and we buddied with Clint and Jake this year. And uh, that's what me and Jake, me and I was like, I was telling Jake, like, there's, and he tells me all the time, like, I don't know why you think about time. Like, I would say, and and he laughs at me, but my biggest insecurity is not being fast enough. And he's like, we would leave somewhere, and I'm like, I don't know if that's going to win first just because it didn't feel that hard. And he's like, dude, your fast is is plenty fast, and even you not trying to be fast is fast. Nelson, I think that's how guys make the finals every year, is what you just said, when they realize that their run is enough because otherwise you're trying to make someone else's run. Yeah. You're trying to do something somebody else. Like, your well, the, run being enough on its own, I think that's how guys turn into rodeo perennials at the NFR is that. And like I was telling him, it's almost like, have you ever seen, did you see a Top Gun, the last yeah. one? So when, in the beginning, when he's in that plane and they tell him not to go past, was it nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I, my roping is almost like that. Even though I get to nine, I want to see if I can go past. And when I get past that point is when I start wigging yep. out yep. and I'll blow up. But yep. if I'll come back right. and stay around that, I feel like I'm in control. Well, and it lets you ride. I think it lets you ride momentum all year, right? Because you push it past and you miss a steer. Well, you miss two steers. Well, now all of a sudden you got something to overcome. Yep. Now all of a sudden it's like you're trying to rope, put it in Brenton Hall's words, it's like you're trying to rope three steers at once because the last two plus this one. Yeah. If you're catching and letting yourself just ride your momentum and you know you're good, not you're great, not you're per- your good is good enough, man, you're able to keep your momentum throughout the year way better than yeah. if you're just pushing it until it falls apart. Yeah. Which means, which means your best years probably on the way, right? I mean, if this year's any indication, if your year started with, I'm just going to catch steers and see how it goes, and you're doing what you're doing, second all around, coming in just beating everybody up. I hear that, and I'm like, oh, watch out. Like, we haven't even seen the best yet because the more you win, better horses you get to ride. You know, the, the, more, the more type stuff you pour into your career that makes what was good enough, now it's even better because everybody's been on that one horse that all of a sudden it takes just three-tenths out of every run and don't know where it came from, yeah. right? And, man, it's, it's a demonstration. I mean, to me, that's a demonstration of what life could be. That's a demonstration of how people should live their life. Don't be a prisoner to your desires. Don't exactly. want something so bad that you live in a prison. Yeah, because that's a good. It keeps you from those things. That's a good analogy. You know, and and when you turn loose of it, as crazy as that sounds, when you turn loose of it, accepted the death of it, man, we're going to get to see for years. We're going to get to see a different Nelson than the young guy that's just going as fast as you can go and beating your head against the rocks. I hope. You know, it's hard for me to say. Um, I, I like I, I want to finish this year, but I'm excited to get in next year because it hasn't like 
having 50,000 when, when I got to Reno was honestly just as much pressure as having zero. Because You're not if wrong. I don't make the finals now, I have, like, I'm done. You'll be the guy that never got yeah, in. I'm like, I'm yeah. like, hey, you know. So then I had a pretty good bit of pressure when I left. But then after I got a maid, it, it was not so much stress-free because I wanted to get chased to the finals. But, like, I felt like I was in, so... You feel like you laughed more and spent more time with your yeah, friends. Yeah, I mean, it was it was way less stress on my part. Like, well, I called you today and you were playing pickleball. Yeah, right? I mean, like I, you're a guy that's now enjoying your life instead of just walking around with a ball of rage around your head all the time. Yeah, not to say I didn't just enjoy life, but in the like you lose sleep at night thinking about making the finals. Like, I don't now I lose sleep at night thinking about what I'm gonna ride at the finals. But <laughs> yeah, well, there's I mean. Again, if it's the I die daily thing in general, like waking up and dying to that that version of yourself, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to let that guy come back and take over again, you're going to have temptations. to Because like, yeah. the truth is, if one or the other got crippled between now and then, they're both good enough. Yeah. Either horse is good enough. Well, so I- the stress is not, am I going to get it wrong or get it right? It's what am I, what am I going to do and then don't think about it anymore. Well, that's what I'm saying. You just got to make a choice and... and- live with that like I know it's gonna work out how it's supposed to it's all it's all gonna work out how it's supposed to so there's no need to stress over it has there ever been a guy who went in third in the world that his partner didn't get in <sighs> you know I, I don't really know the answer to that who'd you win in the beginning who'd you start the year with I started the year with Chase okay. I did not get into Houston and San Antonio I was the first alternate ended up getting in um and right with Justin Davis. But Chase was entered with someone else already because, because I you wasn't didn't get entered. In. Yeah, this was a last minute deal. Got it. And I won second with Justin at both of them. Isn't that like speaking of the pressure getting to Reno with 50, like Justin's year has to be just no disrespect, man. That guy ropes great. I'm not, this is, don't take what I'm about to say as anything ugly at all, but like I can't imagine how frustrating that would be to have such a good winner and then the summer not go that way and end up not getting in with that much money early. Like, that's, that's where rodeoing is not fun. That's when you see people that do quit rodeoing and then hate it and never talk about it again. That's a, that's a, hard, that's a hard year to have had. Rodeoing, I mean, man, it's just hard. Like, it's, you got to – there's four quarters, you know. You how, gotta, how close was Chase to getting in? Chase had um, – we pulled up at, at Pendleton, and he had 77,001. Um, it's probably 20th or 21st, I'd say. Okay. Had a shot and then Yeah, we uh you know, we we didn't get him into I didn't rope very good at the tour radios. Um I messed up at a lot of tour radios and how and, annoying is that to be the case and then you end up getting into Sioux Falls? Like you're you feel like you didn't rope very good and yet you get in and he didn't. Well, I had the extra points from uh San Antonio right. and Houston. Right. And just just didn't win enough. Uh I could have done better for him at some places and I, we were high call at Greeley and I had to literally had to catch the cow like got a front leg eight or there. nine and I figured out the front leg. Yep. What about next year? Partner wise, you guys doing it again? Yep. Or, yep. 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 Awesome. Right, Chase. Well, man, I appreciate it. We're at the hour mark. I, I'm, I'm inspired to be honest. I, I would hope that people would listen to this and get out of it. What you just said. I mean, that is, that's not team roping stuff. To me, that's life stuff. I mean, it's that is useful information beyond what. How old are you? I'm 30. 
I mean, that's that's wisdom beyond your years. And so to to get to see, hear that, and for people to get to see what it results in, like I feel like I feel like you're doing a favor to humanity by <laughs> just being honest about it. Uh, over here tonight and tomorrow, right? Do good tonight. We got to rev tomorrow too. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Man, best of luck. Excited to see how it goes. Appreciate you jumping on. Yes, sir. Thank you.